the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program's views, claims, or representations may not reflect those of AM 1420 The Answer or Salem Media Group. The estate planning team is an Ohio registered investment advisor. The following is for informational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any securities or financial products. Be sure to consult with a qualified financial advice and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. financial goals and dreams we can help you achieve them welcome to financial food for thought the show that answers all the questions on how to maximize your lifestyle and preserve your wealth I want to make deals. I'll make any kind of deals. I'm here to make deals. We should make deals. Is that your recollection of how the call? Was? Well, I don't know if he said deals. It was very noisy. In the room. It was a jubilant crowd in that room celebrating uh, or taking back the house with well the American, played, Madam with Leader. The if you could hear over the throng of enthusiasm from your victory, word, what did you hear I heard in the call? The word uh, infrastructure that came through clearly, but he said, uh, you know, let's talk. How we, we, I'm sure we can come to agreement on some things and. We have an obligation to try to find common ground. Would you come to agreements with this president? Would you work with him to pass legislation? Or do you believe, as many in your party do, that you need to be a check on him? You need to investigate him in the main and keep him from doing the things that he wants? Well, part of what you said, we are, we, it is our constitutional responsibility to be a check on the executive branch. And we have the responsibility to have oversight on the agencies of the executive branch and fully intent uh, to implement that. Uh, the, uh, and, and that shouldn't be a, a cause for him of any concern because that's the regular order. But it certainly would. And if there's any investigating done of him, I mean, you heard what he said, even Oversight on the day where he said he wanted to be better uh, and change tone. He said, if they investigate me, I'll investigate them. And we both know he will not come to the table with any deals if he feels that he's being investigated. Let's hope that a level of maturity here will set in. Because the American people expect results. And they don't expect well, there we go. Uh, that's, of course, Chris Cuomo and, and Nancy Pelosi after uh, she is going to apparently win back her Speaker of the House. Um, you know, uh, uh, the, the, she'll become the new Speaker. Actually, she's the old Speaker, become the new Speaker. Kind of like uh, uh, meet the new boss, same as the old boss, right? But... Um, so there we have it. I, you know, I thought, you know, last week that we would have moved on by this week with the midterm elections, but apparently they're not done yet. Um, because looking at some of the news stories, apparently Florida is still in play and Arizona is still in play. So I guess we have to kind of wait a bit further before we find exactly 
how it's going to turn out. Well, good morning, everyone, and you're listening to Financial Food for Thought. My name is Mark Donnelly, and Carrie Waddell, who usually joins me, has got the weekend off. So she's uh, celebrating Veterans Day uh, with her family. Of course, Carrie's a military bride, and and her husband, Chuck, has served um, in the military as a Marine. And, you know, so they, they have a good tradition in their family. So hopefully she's off and having a good time with her kids and everyone else. So I'll try to stumble through today's program uh, by myself. I think I'll have enough to talk about. If, uh, I think uh, sound engineer extraordinaire Eric will maybe uh, contest that I've never a loss of words. We'll see how it goes. So are you happy with the election results? Um, I, you know, I, I think I don't know who's not happy with the election results. Um. You know, we, we've got the situation where we've got a, you know, divided Congress, um, which, again, is maybe what America likes. Um, you know, I you know, it, it seems to me that America doesn't normally like it when one political party has all the power. Um, so, you know, and now I don't think America's in a crisis. I mean, I think because of the election, I don't think we're in any more crisis today than we were a week ago. Um, you know, Rose, Roe versus Wade hasn't been overturned just because Kavanaugh got a Supreme Court justice. Um, you know, uh, Schumer, I'm still is, is still working on his Russian probe, you know, regardless of who won the midterm elections. Um, and, you know, Wall Street, I think Wall Street's happy. I think Wall Street, uh, like, I mean, see, I, you know, there's a, there's a lot of, uh, people that believe that the reason why you saw stocks, uh, come back sharply the day after the election is because there's a belief that the stock market, you know, likes gridlock. In other words, because if we're going to have anything in this country's Congress right now, it's going to be gridlock. You know, I don't expect any major, you know, tax laws or any other major developments to be done. Now, there there could still be some things that get done. I mean, hopefully there'll be some bipartisanship, maybe on some infrastructure, maybe on, you know, it looks like both parties agree that, you know, prescription drug prices are out of control and need to be something. But is that too close to the hotly debated topic about, you know, a single payer health care system? You know, now, it, now, if you if you if you're on Obamacare and you like Obamacare, you should be happy because there's not going to be a repeal of Obamacare. Obamacare, not when the Democrats control the House, right? Um, if you're on Medicaid, um, if you were one of the millions that, you know, got part of the Medicaid expansion, um, you're happy, right? Because I don't think that's going to change. Um, I even heard the new Ohio governor, uh, Mike Dwine, talking, and he's saying, no, he has no plans to cut, you know, uh, roll back Ohio's Medicaid expansion. Um, if you're a pothead in Michigan, you're happy, right? Because uh, Michigan's approved the recreational use of marijuana. Okay, so you see, Ohio is getting kind of boxed in here, <laughs> and you know, and a lot of people wonder just how long it will be before Ohio is going to have to try to or. 
you know, is going to, whether have to, or they're going to make a, a move to try to cash in on some of that, you know, what's projected to be a hundred billion dollar business in the future, the green economy, what I call the new green economy. Um, so you've got Canada to the north, you've got, uh, Michigan, you know, um, and, you know, I think Michigan is the 10th state to approve recreational marijuana use. Um, but there could be a lot of problems with that as well. Um, so are you happy? Well, you know, we'll, we'll see. Um, we'll talk about that in the upcoming year, I'm sure. And, I think, you know, regardless of when we get the final <laughs> election results for like Arizona and Florida, I think that the POTUS election campaign began around 10 o'clock on Tuesday night. And I think from here on end until 2020, you're going to hear nothing more but, you know, the, the uh, people positioning themselves to run for a presidential uh, election. Um, all right. So you're listening to Mark Donnelly and this is financial food for thought. And we're here every Saturday morning at nine o'clock and what company is the estate planning team and the estate planning team has been helping Cleveland families build custom financial plans for over 33 years. And we do it one plan, one family at a time. And, you know, one of the things you might, you know, if you were hoping that, the tax cut 2.0 was going to get, you know, implemented. I don't think that's going to happen now. Um, so, you know, again, remember President Trump, which again, he's happy, right? I mean, he may go down as, you know, in history as having one of the greatest, um, you know, midterm campaigns going. Because he might have, you know, what he did maybe saved uh, a lot of, at least the Senate, you know, for the uh, Republicans, as well as, you know, you could make a case that he saved Ohio. You know, Ohio, you know, remember he came, you know, the day before the election, the IX Center, and really stomped for DeWine and Renacci, of course, who didn't have much of a shot against Sherrod Brown. I think pretty much everyone knew that. But, you know, in the end, oh, uh, the Republicans have main, you know, maintained control of Ohio. Um, so it's still deeply red. And, you know, of course, they always say, you, you know, the road to the presidency runs through Ohio. So that's why there was such a big push, um, I think, from President Trump and, you know, and, and as well as some of the other states at Florida, for example. Um, you know, so now. The Democrats did, um, they did make some movement. All right. Um, so right now, if you're talking about the, you know, who's running the states, the Dems boast complete control of 14 state governments right now. That's six more than what they had prior to the election. Um, and one, you know, an interesting one to me, uh, is Kansas, uh, because, you know, Kansas was kind of put up on a pedestal because, um, you know, Governor Brownback, he was the Kansas governor who put in all the, the deep, big, deep tax cuts, um, in Kansas. And a lot of people, you know, and, and he was really, you know, you know, he was big, you know, tax cuts. And in retrospect, what the, what the, uh, you know, blowback was is that it drained their, you know, government coffers of revenues. 
And then the entitlement program started, you know, getting into trouble and other economic things. And so now there are a lot of people in Kansas who are saying those tax cuts failed. All right. So Kansas is like the test tube, I believe, which I think that the Democrats will be talking more and more as we get closer to the 2020 election. The idea that tax cuts don't always work. Um, now, you know, I was speaking about Ohio before. So because remember when uh, Governor Kasich, he implemented a huge uh, business tax cut for the state of Ohio. Right. Um, and that's the one where, you know, if 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 you're a small business. Okay. Um, there's a, there's an income tax exemption up to $250,000 of, of, of year of your, of your first revenues. Well, that's a pretty darn good, uh, tax cut. And, you know, being a small business owner myself, I have certainly benefited from that. Um, and, you know, and so, and so is a lot of other small businesses. Now, the, the you know, whether that will be able to continue is what I've been wondering. Because again, Ohio revenues are down and, and, you know, the, the, they, they need money. Um, they, you know, again, uh, hopefully the, the, we were not looking at a recession for that, uh, a good number of years. Hopefully Federal Reserve, I'll talk about the Federal Reserve. They, they came out with a meeting this week. Um, you know, hopefully, you know, they're still standing pat saying, you know, we know how to do this. You know, we're going to continue our interest hikes, interest rate hikes. You know, they didn't, you know, no one expected them to raise the, the rates in November, but they're still saying they'll, they'll raise in December, or at least, um, you know, unless again, they always give the caveat unless, you know, some statistic tells them to move differently, but you know, they're still sticking to their guns. They're going one more raise this year, three raises in 2019, and maybe one final raise in the year 2020. Um, so, you know, and, but if they can maneuver their soft landing and unwind the quantitative easing and get this country without going into negative growth or, you know, and overheating the economy, do we have superinflation, which a lot of times precedes a U.S. recession? Maybe, you know, it's different this time. Maybe they can do it. Maybe they're smart enough to do it. Um, we'll see. But in either case, the cult as it comes back to Ohio, can Ohio, um, you know, uh, what are they going to do if they need more money? So one thing, a couple things, you know, uh, well, one thing I mentioned before, you know, that's why there's a lot of people who are thinking that maybe Ohio should legalize uh, and heavily tax recreational marijuana. OK, maybe they're saying that that's what's going to help, you know, build up the Ohio coffers. Others talk about other sin uh, taxes, so to speak, is, um, you know, the 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 idea of legalized sports betting. OK, so that's kind of uh, catching fire across the country where, you know, more and more states are saying, hey, we want, you know, you know, Ohio, you know, obviously that, you know, we have some casinos now in Ohio. But, you know, they are expanding that concept and saying, hey, why don't we get involved in this? you know, online, uh, so to speak, in the cloud, uh, legalized sports betting and, and then tax the heck out of that. Um, now, I don't think either of those two solutions are are going to be favorable to the majority of, of Ohioans. You know, I think we're still, especially in the Bible Belt, right? Um, so what does that leave? Well, now maybe is this small business tax cut on the chopping block? Um, and that's maybe something that, uh, Mike DeWine and the rest of the Ohio Republican Congress 
may be having to deal with. Um, all right. So like I said, so just we talked about the Federal Reserve uh, holding interest rates steady. Um, let's see some of their comments. The labor market has continued to strengthen and economic activity has been rising at a strong rate. Okay. Um, what else do they say? Um, right. The Fed has raised rates three times this year and is widely expected to do so again in December. So, you know, so what does that mean to you that the Fed's raising rate? Well, here's the here's the deal. If you are one of the many, many, um, you know, taxpayers or, you know, listeners who have been sitting on cash. OK. Um, and maybe more, you know, and, and, and the idea that, you know, when we got to those 45 year interest rate lows, um and people were still scared or, you know, worried about putting any more money into stocks. All right. There's a lot of cash sitting on the sidelines. All right. Now, but that cash hasn't been earning too much money. You know, when CD rates went back down to, you know, below half a percent a year, we, people weren't too excited about why even bother putting money in CD. I'll just let it sit in my checking account. You know, because I'm not going to put it back in the stock market. I'm done with that, you know, casino. Um, so I'm just going to, you know, sit. Well, now, if you're still in that position, you have to start, you know, brushing off and, 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 you know, the old habit, the old, the good plan of building that ladder of CDs, right? Where, you know, if you haven't, you know, picked up on what the CD rates are, you know, grab a Sunday paper or go online. And, you know, see what six month and 12 month and 15 month and 18 month and 24 month. I don't know if you want to go too much further out than that. Um, but the idea is, you know, the rates have come up tremendously. So, you know, CDs, you know, that they, that's very correlated to as the Federal Reserve continues to raise the rates. So if Federal Reserve is expected to continue to raise rates over the next, you know, 12 to 24 months, you know, then chances are CD rates will be going up too. That's the idea of the latter. In other words, you want to start getting that money working for you, but you do it that in six months. Now, I've heard some, you know, people say you'll ladder every month. Well, that may be getting a little bit, you know, troublesome or, you know, or, you know, maybe too much work, but, you know, every six months. So every six months, you have a CD coming due. Now, if you need that to replenish your cash reserve or to buy an automobile or whatever, you do that. If you're okay on that department, you have the chance of reinvesting into a longer run ladder of the CD because you already have the next two six months ones come and due anyways. And then, and, 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 and hopefully a rising interest rate market because chances are CD rates will be higher six months from now from, uh, from where they are today. And then higher six months after that. So, you know, it's that concept of saying, okay, I'm going to play that, you know, that, that cycle and say, okay, I'm going to keep my cash reserve. And again, we've been, you know, if you, you know, if you go back and listen to any of our previous shows, because remember, you can always catch this show on podcasts. You know, you just need to go to the WHK 1420, um, you know, website, the answer. And click on, um, podcasts or local programming and find our time slot, you know, Saturday mornings at nine o'clock, financial food for thought. And you will, they will have a, a good, uh, backlog of our podcast shows. And what we've been talking about all year, maybe even longer than that, um, is the idea that if you were in the camp that we're thinking that we were going to have, uh, you know, a, a stock market correction, 
which we did. You know, a lot of people are saying we had actually had two in 2018, one in, you know, February, March, and the one in you know, the October scare that we just got through. Um, you know, there's a lot of people saying, okay, you know, we, you know, we were expecting that or not expecting that, or if we, if we we're planning on that, or if you think that there could be a U.S. recession, it's, you know, in the next two to three years, as opposed to believing that it's still five or six years out, the idea is that you want to be prepared, meaning that you don't, you know, you don't want to have to sell your stocks, perhaps, in a declining market. But yet, if you had a trip, a special trip plan, or you had a new automobile plan that you were going to use a, 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 a lot of cash that wasn't just normally going to be, a, a, you know, sitting around in your checking account with the monthly cash flow inflow that you were going to have to dip in to your nest egg, um, you know, that's the idea of having the cash reserve set up for a year or you know, eighteen months. You know, that, that says, okay, I've got all these planned lifestyle uh, events that's going to cost money in my cash reserve. So if uh, I'm not going to put my retirement on hold just because we're going through a stock market correction, I'm not going to panic and sell my stocks low or panic and say, I guess I can't take that trip to Hawaii. Um, the idea of having a good financial plan is that you, you say, okay, I've got now flexibility. I've got choices that it keeps my lifestyle going because I've got a written financial plan that that I've modeled in this potential uh, economic downturn. And, you know, not only is the idea saying your model, you know, shows you that even if we do have an economic downturn in the next two to three years, that, you know, it doesn't mean that your plan is now going to fail. Because what the program models do is, is show you, okay, we're projecting, we're modeling in that economic downturn and we're trying to, you know, we have a way of gauging the long-term effect, meaning in some weird way, an economic downturn doesn't, you know, it doesn't mean that it's, 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 you're running out of money this year. What you really want the financial plan to show you is if it happens this year that you're not running out of money when you're 90 years old. You know, so in some weird way, the economic downturn that's happening in the next couple of years affects the longevity of your plan. And that's what the peace of mind comes in when you're building a financial plan that you're saying, I'm running different scenarios, you know, my base case A scenario, meaning, you know, I'm not worried, everything's fine. Versus, uh, what I sometimes call the plan R scenario, meaning, uh, it, what if we do have a recession or I do have to build a recovery plan and I'm going to need to know that I'm not, you know, I don't need to make a knee jerk reaction just because this economic global, it could be a global event that, that sparks it, then totally, that's, that's really totally beyond my control. You know, doesn't mean I have to make a knee jerk reaction and that I can't retire next year or I can't buy that car next year or I can't take that riverboat cruise next year. That's what we're trying to accomplish um, with the financial plan. And as I said, the estate planning team has been building financial plans for Cleveland families for over 33 years. And um, state planning team. You know, you can always come in for a free consultation, and you can always call the office at 440-239-2090. That's 
2090. You can also visit us at uh, financialfoodforthought.com. That's just one string, financialfoodforthought.com. And that's our website. And we have a lot of good information on there. We've got uh, stories on there, financial, you know, financial headlines. We've got calculators on there. Um, and eventually, um, we'll be posting our classes that we'll be starting up again in the new year. Um, let's see. So, um, so Carrie's not here today to guess my rock and roll birthday boomer. So I guess I'll still give out, uh, I'll, I'll still do that for those listeners. Um, and, you know, Eric, our, our sound engineer can play along too. Um, he's always, uh, tries to guess. So let's see. Our rock and roll birthday boomer, uh, was born on this date in 1944. So actually he's what, 74. So actually he's borderline. He's really a little bit too old to be considered a baby boomer, but we'll go ahead and throw him into the kitty. All right. Um, he's British. Okay, that's always my favorite clue to, for Carrie. Um, and let's see. Um, he's not only, you know, he's an author lyricist. So you can say, well, then Mark, why is he, you know, why, why is he in this category? Well, he's been somewhat successful as a lyricist. Uh, he has won Academy Awards. He has won Golden Globe Awards. He has won Emmys. He has won Tonys and he has won Grammys. Okay, he's been knighted. Okay, he has a star on Hollywood's Walk of Fame, and he's a member of the Songwriters Hall of Fame. So, you know, he is very successful, as a matter of fact, with a net worth, estimated net worth of $250 million. He is ranked as the 15th richest music millionaire in the UK. All right, um, any clues yet? Um, now, the song, the cut I'm going to play is from 1970. All right. It was from a concept album that became a huge Broadway hit. As a matter of fact, it's still, you know, a, a very popular show on Broadway, not only on Broadway, on theater stages all over the world. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's never lost its, uh, you know, popularity. Um, let's see if I can give you. A final clue for a rock and roll birthday boomer, you know. Um, so again, although he's very successful, certainly in his own right, he probably doesn't get as much credit as his more famous collaborator or partner who actually writes the music that's played at night. Okay. So we'll come back to that. Um, so what else is going on? Well, one of the things that you may want to be doing at this point of the year is your, you know, final year in planning. All right. So, you know, we, you know, we always tell our clients, you know, circle November 1st on your calendar and to give yourself a reminder that, you know, if you have not done your year end planning, um, you want to get started because before you know it, um, we're going to get into the holidays, right? We're going to get into the Thanksgiving holiday, and then that goes right into the Christmas, New Year's, and things get busy. 
um, not only in your lives, but also in your other professional advisors' lives. In other words, what I mean by that is as we see this wave of baby boomers, you know, now that the, you know, getting older, um, more and more are turning, you know, 70 and 70 and a half, and they're dealing with their required minimum distributions. You know, all the ones that are turning 65 and, and dealing with, uh, you know, Medicare issues and, and, you know, what, what, how that affects their, the, the, how their, how their tax return affects what Medicare premiums are going to pay. I'm, I'll try to talk a little bit about that today. Um, you know, as well as, um, you know, obviously going into retirement um, and making those decisions, but you know, and the fact that even more so now because we did have a new tax law that took effect, you know, for this year, 2018. So especially this year, um, we've been spending a lot of time with our clients, you know, looking at year-end planning. Um, now back to the required minimum distributions, right? So again, you know, I always, you know, I know most of the, you know, listeners want to know because it's still very confusing out there. We read all, we, we read articles all the time. We see the, the U.S. tax court cases. People are going into tax court because they didn't understand their required minimum distribution rules. All right. Um, so, you know, for, I'll, I'll go ahead and go through that again because it's very important. Um, so, you know, when do you have to start your required minimum distributions? Well, you have until April 1st of the year following the calendar year you attain age 70 and a half. Simple as that, right? Now, if you wait that long for your first one, in other words, if you do wait till April 1st, now note that's April 1st, not April 15th tax day. That's a bad April Fool's joke by the government. We've seen a lot of court cases where families miss that. They thought, oh, I thought it was April 15th, like taxes. No, it's April 1st. All right. Um, so, but if you do wait till April 1st of the calendar year, or April 1st of the year following the calendar year, you attain age 70 and a half, you will have to do a second required minimum distribution by December 31st of that same year. In, 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 in essence, you'll have to be doing two required minimum distributions in one tax year. Now, that may get expensive tax-wise. So a lot of our clients choose not to wait till April 1st of the year following the calendar year. They attain age 70 and a half. They choose to take their first required minimum distribution in the calendar year they attain age 70 and a half. And if you go that route, then you do one that year, and then you just have to do one the second year. And then, you know, then that April 1st date is gone. That's only applicable for your very first one. Um, a lot of people say, well, what's it based on? What's the required minimum distribution based on? Well, you take your year-end balance. In other, in other words, so your 12-31-18 um, IRA balance will be used to calculate your 2019 required minimum distribution. And then it's based on a uniform life table that the government gives you. Um, and, and, you know, for, if you're just trying to mathematically, uh, you know, the first year required minimums about 3.65% of your balance. But the point of that discussion is that if you are waiting to age 70 or age 70 and a half before you start learning about your required minimum distribution, 
We believe that you are waiting too long and perhaps have given up a huge um, opportunity. So we start talking to our clients about required minimum distributions when they're 59 and a half. And if, and, and one of the things we, we did is, you know, a lot of, you know, and, and, you know, decades ago, we realized that a lot of, you know, people coming into us, becoming clients for the first time, when we asked them, you know, if they weren't 70 and a half yet, and then, you know, we, and we say, well, uh, you know, we ask them, you know, what are you doing with your IRA? And they say, well, we were always told that you never take out of your IRA before you're 70 and a half, that you just always follow the required minimum distribution. Um, or if they were already over 70 and a half, we ask them, well, well how much are you doing? And you say, well, I, and they, and they would say, well, I'm just doing the required minimum distribution. And we would ask, well, why are you only doing the required minimum distribution? Um, cause I mean, you know, especially if it's not a lot of money, because maybe you want to take that riverboat cruise, or maybe you do have to fix up the house, or maybe you do have to buy a car, or maybe your, your kids do have a financial problem that you want to know if you can help them out or not. Or maybe you see your grandchildren are, 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 you know, racking up, you know, thirty, forty thousand dollars in, you know, uh, student loans and they don't have a chance to ever pay that off. They're going to be so far behind the eight ball. So you're wondering, maybe I can afford to help them, but yet you're restricting yourself to only taking out the required minimum distribution. Um, now I somewhat blame a lack of coordinated advisors. For this department. So if you're listening, if you listen to our show, you know that the estate planning team is very big on coordinated advisors, you know, and, and the estate planning team, we are a fiduciary. Um, we get that question all the time. Um, but you know, we, you know, if you think of the five potential professional advisors that you may hire to help you build, and I don't care what you call it, an estate plan. We used to call it an estate plan. You can call it a retirement plan. If you haven't retired yet, maybe you're calling it a pre-retirement plan. If you want to get really generic, let's call it a financial plan. All right. Um, so the first one could be the attorneys, you know, so we are not attorneys, you know, we don't prepare legal documents. But we spend a lot of time working with our clients' attorneys. And quite frankly, although, you know, obviously legal documents are, are very important, <laughs> you know, cause again, I never know when, uh, we, we never know when we're going to die or become incapacitated. So yeah, you need those documents up on the shelf ready to go before an emergency. But, you know, having legal documents in place doesn't really tell you how much you can spend in retirement. All right. Just doesn't. All right. Um, you could talk about, uh, a CPA or an enrolled agent, you know, or somebody, a professional who's helping you in this complicated tax uh, world to file your tax returns timely so you don't get fan mail back from the IRS. That's important. All right. Um, you could talk about the investment advisors. Um, you know, that's probably what we're most confused with at the state planning team. You know, we are not here to tell you what stocks and bonds and mutual funds and ETFs to buy. That's not what we do. Okay. Um, you could talk about the insurance professionals. And in today's world, that could be, um, life insurance. It could be health insurance. It could be long-term care insurance. It could be fixed annuities. All right. Um, now 
and then the fifth category is what we consider ourselves at the estate planning team, and that's a financial planner, meaning what we do is we don't lead in saying, this is what you need to go out and buy tomorrow to, you know, this is the silver bullet that's going to make all your uh, dreams come true in retirement. Um, no, it's not that easy. It, you know, if you want a good financial plan, you know, you don't start with what products you need. You start by building a plan, a model that's, a, that, by the way, that's based on your goals, your objectives. You know, this is not your parents' plan. It's not your neighbor's plan. It's not your coworkers' plan. I don't care what they're doing. You know, we're helping our clients build their own plans. And you better sharpen your own elbows and be worried about yourself first. Because if you can take care of yourself, you know, you're not going to put it, put a burden on anybody else. Um, now in your family, in, in other words. Um, so, you know, the, the idea of, uh, you know, but coordination among those advisors is what we did not see happening when we put the estate planning team together. It was like these advisors were working all in their own vacuums. You know, we used to ask clients, well, how often has your insurance guy talked to your investment advisor? Hey, has that ever happened? If, if you've got fixed annuities and you've got a managed account by, you know, by a brokerage, you know, a, an investment advisor, how often have you been in the same room discussing your plan where you're sitting across the table from your stock guy and your annuity guy? Does that happen a lot? How often is your tax person talking to your attorney? How often is your, um, you know, financial planner who's maybe he's calling himself a financial planner, but really maybe he's really just interested in investing your assets. You know, how often is he asking for a copy of your tax return or is he right now asking you about your year end planning? All right, so you know coordination of advisors, and and a lot of what we found over the years is that the reason why so many people have just were it was you know in Belgium that you never take out more than your required minimum distribution was they got that simple no analysis recommendation for perhaps from someone who had an interest if they did not take their money out of their IRAs until they absolutely had to. Hmm. So what we started showing people, and if you come in for a consultation, we'll use your numbers. In other words, the balance in your IRA will use what investment rate of return you want to use, you know, based on your age now, if you're not obviously 70 and a half, um, and we'll project out and show you not only what your first year required minimum distribution would have to be, you know, as I mentioned, that 3.65%, but the, the a longevity of saying if you follow this plan for your whole lifetime, what does it mean? In other words, so, you know, if, so we always propose that as, you know, a question or a lot of times our clients say, well, Mark, I don't even know what questions to ask my other advisors. And, and I agree. Sometimes that's half the battle. Um, but here's a good question. So if you ever ask one of those five professionals that I just went through, um, the idea of saying, okay, should I do something, Mr. Advisor, should I do something different than following the required minimum distribution? 
And they give you a quick answer back with absolutely no analysis done at all. Just a quick answer back saying, oh, no, Mr. Client, you never, just never take out more than required minimum. Just follow the required minimum distribution. I want you to ask a follow-up question. And the follow-up question is, okay, Mrs. Advisor, if I follow that plan and never take out more than the required minimum distribution, can you tell me what the balance of my IRA will be when I'm 90 years old? And if they can't give you a number, I'm not so sure you're ready to take that recommendation. Um, now, if you, you know, so we, when we started showing our clients, you know, what, if they follow the requirement distribution their whole life, what that would mean in terms of how much cash flow would they be getting, let's say between the ages 70 and 90, if you think that's your longevity. Okay. Um, also how much is still remaining in the IRA at that point. And at that point, maybe we won't even want to go one step further and say, okay, if you die with money still in your IRA, who's it going to now? Well, if you said, well, Mark, it's going to my kids. Okay. But it's not going income tax free to your kids. All right. So if you inherit an IRA, all right, meaning a non-spouse, you're a non-spouse beneficiary because spouses can always do the spousal rollover thing, right? But that's only available for spouses. That's not available for kids. All right. So if you're a non-spouse beneficiary and you're inheriting your mom's IRA, it doesn't go income tax free to you. All right. We call that IRD or income in respect of a decedent. All right. And you will. And, and also in that circumstance, you cannot defer required minimum distributions until you're 70 and a half. As a matter of fact, a non-spouse beneficiary will have to begin distributions within a year after the owner's death. Now, we see the situation where in a lot of cases, you know, grandma, you know, is, is in a zero income tax bracket when she's 90 years old. And, you know, because she's got a ton of medical expenses that she's still getting deduction for and it's wiping out all her taxable income. And yet she's still just doing required minimum distributions because that's what she was always told to do. Right. Um, now, she's in a zero tax bracket. All right. Um, that's a bad fact. If a zero tax bracket, that's pretty good. You know, a lot of people, when we talk to them and new clients come in and we find and we see that there's somebody's in a zero tax bracket, they're real proud of that, right? They're like, you know, we, we get to that part of the, you know, the, the initial uh, information gathering and they're like, yeah, I don't know any tax problems. I've got, I'm, I'm in a zero tax bracket. Well, our first response is, well, are you maxing that out? And, and then, then we get like the blank stare. And they're like, well, what do you mean? And it's like, see, see, if you're in a zero tax bracket, the first thing you ought to be asking your tax preparer is how much more taxable income could I have created and still been zero? Because maybe I want to do that. Because if you don't max out your zero bracket, that's a lost opportunity forever. Because starting next year, you're in a whole new, you know, a whole new tax season. So, you know, it, so we, we, you know, we, we've caught that many times over the decades where, you know, we've got the retiree, the elder retirees, zero tax bracket, still doing required minimum distribution. And yet Johnny, you know, Johnny, the beneficiary is in a, a 35% tax bracket. 
So, you know, mom dies, you know, Johnny's going to start taking that IRA out. You know, mom could have taken out at zero, you know, or some portion at zero. Now Johnny's going to get it out, yeah, at a 35% tax bracket. So has anyone talked to you about that? Have you, have you tried to project that out? See, this is a, this is a question you can't ask your neighbor. Cause I don't know what your neighbor's, you know, Johnny's uh, tax bracket is in. All right. So this is why you have to customize this for your own circumstances. Um, and, and then, yeah. Now back to the requirement distribution. The one thing you don't want to miss though is missing your required minimum distribution. Because if you fail to get your required minimum distribution out timely, there is a 50% penalty. Now, you know, if that happens to you, you know, don't jump off a bridge because there are so many baby boomers who are getting caught because they don't understand that rule that the IRS is really lenient on, you know, first time offenders. And there's forms that you and your tax preparer can fill out where you, you know, throw, you know, you know, yourself on the court's forgiveness and say, please excuse my uh, tidiness on my required minimum distribution. And chances are, um, first time offenders can maybe get some of that penalty relieved. Um, also time, you know, I mentioned the new tax law, right? So 2018, you might, you know, if you have, we, we've been talking about this all year too, you got to make sure that, you know, you do have enough taxes paid in to cover your liability based on the new tax law. Because if you were, you know, just assuming that everything was the same on your tax return this year compared to last year, it's still not going to be the same answer because we have a new tax law, right? So we have, you know, schedule A, itemized deduction differences, right? There is um, the personal exemptions have been eliminated. You know, standard deductions have gone up, all right? Um, So, you know, those are some of the things. So a lot of times right now what we're doing is we're working with our clients and their CPAs uh, or, whoever, or maybe they have an enrolled agent or somebody. And what we're going through that and we're saying, OK, you know, now that we've got, you know, 10 months of the year done, we're in a better position to know whether we want to be following a current year safe harbor for taxes or a previous year safe harbor. And now let's also take a thermometer reading about how much withholding we've got in the tank so far. Have we or should we be making estimated quarterly payments or should we be adjusting? Because in the end, you want to, you know, you don't want to, certainly you don't want to be underpaid where you're assessed a penalty or interest for being underpaid. You also don't want to go too far on the other end of the spectrum and, and wind up waiting around for a huge refund that the government, you know, you just gave the government an interest-free loan. So you want to find that sweet spot where, you know, you're, you've got, you know, yourself, it's okay to owe money on April 15th. As long as you don't owe too much, you won't be charged an investment penalty. And to do that, you, you have those safe harbors. So if, if your tax person hasn't been calling you up yet and saying, Hey, Mr. Client, do we gotta, you know, do we gotta review that? Do we have to make a final, do we have to change a withholding election on that required minimum distribution that you still have to get done by December 31st? Um, we're running out of time to do that because if you think, you know, you're going to do that all between Christmas and New Year's, there's a bottleneck out there because more and more baby boomers are dealing with this at the end of the year and the custodians are getting bottlenecked, you know, and, and so, you know, a lot of them actually even publish uh, and say, you know, if you want us to guarantee that we get your required minimum distribution done 
by December 31st, or if you're still thinking of a Roth conversion, which also has to be done by December 31st, um, you have to get us good signed paperwork by a certain deadline. That may be December 10th. I, we, you know, I think Carrie, you know, mentioned to me the, uh, the, you know, earlier that one of the, one of the custodians out there that our clients use, it, the, the date was actually in November. And, and that, and that date's getting pushed back every year. I mean, it's forward. In other words, it was one time it was all by December 20th. Then something originally it was by December 31st and it was like by December 20th. Then it was by December 10th. Now are someone saying by the end of November. See, the idea is, is more and more baby boomers get this issue that's you're, they're bogging down the uh, custodians' offices, and they there's they can't get it done. All right, um, and believe me, it's it's it, you're you're not gonna get you know that's not a good excuse for the IRS to say, well, my required minimum district didn't get done because my custodian was too busy. I don't know if you want to go into tax court with that defense. All right. Um, now, um, same thing with, you know, Roth conversion. So, you know, again, if you, uh, if you've got, um, if you're still planning on doing a Roth conversion, meaning you think, Hey, I'm in a good tax bracket. Maybe you're not in a, you don't have a required, maybe you're retired, but don't have, you're not 70 and a half yet. Um, maybe, you know, we can work on something like that. All right. Okay. So if you still think that you have room to do a tax mover, whether it be a Roth conversion or take out more than the required minimum distribution. Maybe you don't want to convert to Roth. Maybe you need it to buy the, you know, riverboat cruise next year. Um, it's time you have to start getting to that, um, before you run out of time with the bottleneck with the baby boomers at the end of the year. All right. So we've got our rock and roll birthday boomer. Do you remember my clues? Um, I wonder if any of the malicious millennials in the studio office know this song. British lyricist from 1970. Very successful songwriter. This was one of his big rock opera shows. I don't know if Carrie would have gotten this one. Also, if you're looking at the um, Medicare threshold, in other words, how much income you can have. Okay, does everyone know this song? Of course, it's from the rock opera, Jesus Christ Superstar. And our rock and roll birthday boomer is Tim Rice. Sir Timothy Miles Rice. All right. Um, who's 74 today. And, of course, his partner, Andrew Lloyd Webber, is much more famous, you know, and and a household name. But Tim Rice really was the one who wrote the lyrics. I mean, I think he should get half the credit. Um, And, you know, he's uh, obviously he's gone to be on very successful. He's had many, many hit, you know, shows and um, musicals. And we'll let him carry us out here today. Um, if you want to get a hold of us, come in for, if you're thinking about coming in for a consultation, we can do those by phone. We can do them in person. Um, 
we're doing a lot by phone just because if you're if you've got a year in tax issue we've got to get moving on that but all you need to do is contact us you can call us at 440-239-2090 um that's 440-239-2090 or you can visit our website financialfoodforthought.com and you know we'd love to see if we if we you know can help you if you're trying to make these decisions whether or not you need to, you you have room to do a Roth conversion or anything else. So, the other thing I just want to say is, you know, we mentioned it's Veterans Day, um, and it's also it's the hundredth anniversary of the end of World War One. So, you know, the original Armistice Day was, you know, November eleventh of nineteen eighteen, and you know, it's interesting because what that war did you know a lot of people said that changed everything and that's when we really saw how man's inventions like machine guns and barbed wire and you know uh, you know really changed warfare forever and a lot of people think you know that what's happening in the world today are we on our path to perhaps a world war three um you know and again a lot of people are drawing similarities between world war one and what's happening today meaning it's not you know if but it's like the west is the powers that are decreasing and the east is the powers that are rising like russia and china where europe may be fading and will china and a lot of people wonder right now does u.s have a cold war going on with china but the question people are asking is, what is this next war going to be? What's going to be the key to it? All right. Um, and we'll be continuing to talk about that as we go on in the year. And a lot of people think that robots and AI, artificial intelligence, may play a big part. You know, and if one of those countries gets a couple of months head start on the other one, what could it mean? For example, if Adolf Hitler got the H-bomb two months before the U.S., would we be talking a different today? Okay, have a good week, everyone. Tune in next week for more financial food for thought. For more information about the show, for estate planning or upcoming seminars, call the estate planning team at 440-239-2090. Thanks for listening. The preceding program's views, claims, or representations may not reflect those of AM 1420 The Answer. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.